Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's been 10 years since Inter Milan won the Champions League, the last time an Italian team tasted success in Europe. We recruited Serie A specialists at different ends of the lockdown spectrum, Simone Eterno in Italy and Sia Falahi in Sweden, to give their take on Inter's latest renaissance and explain why they are addicted to signing players from the Premier League. So hello, thanks guys for joining me. Uh, Simone, I'm going to start with you if that's all right. You've been in Italy and on lockdown for two months, I believe. How are you getting on? Oh my God, I, I don't know. I'm so happy that that you called me for uh, recording this, uh, this vodka so I have the opportunity to entertain myself, I, I, I hope. Yes, I've been locked down since uh, day first here in Italy. It was uh, the 23rd of February. Uh, so <laughs> it's getting a bit tricky. <laughs> and uh, as you can imagine, a bit boring, but... Uh, also, without competition at all, we're trying to, to, to find stories by ourselves. And it's not that easy. It's not that easy. It's nice to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you here as well. I mean, and see you likewise. You're in Sweden. How's, how's life over there? Um, I'd say it's pretty normal, right? Like, not normal, of course. Um, I think many think that Sweden is just very open and everyone is going on with the normal life. But I think we have a more normal situation than the Italian guys because I can actually go out and take a walk in the park or go to the woods and get some fresh air without having to write an explanation of why I'm going out. So in that kind of way, I think we're doing, I'm fine, but we're not going to the office. We're not using public transport. We've limited the going to the supermarket. And as as a sports nerd, it's... it's uh, it's really, I'm like emotionally drained because I understand how many of my day-to-day emotions came from sports. So now I try to play FIFA, but after 10 games, you're just bored, you know? So um, I, I can't complain because we're still working. I have my health, like people I know are good, but uh, it's a very strange situation for us guys who, who love sports. Yeah, well, let's try and pick apart some of the sport that we love. And in particular, I've, both, I've got you both on because you're Italian football Boffins, I think, connoisseurs. Uh, now, cast your minds back to exactly a decade ago, April 28th, 2010. Inter Milan put on a defensive masterclass to knock out Barcelona in the Champions League semi-finals. The dawn of Mourinho Guardiola. Slightly provocative question, but where has it gone wrong for Italian football since that title-winning side? No uh, European trophies for an Italian side since then. Simone, maybe I'll start with you. Oh, my gosh. You, you started from a game, the, you call it masterclass, and I do agree with that because everybody is 
you know, is foot, in football is easily to be impressed by, you know, attacking team. Barcelona, it's easy. You get it, no? The Barcelona Guardiola, the Zidane stuff. You get so many champions, you, scare, you see goal. But as an Italian, I, I was, uh, it was an outstanding performance, especially the, uh, the return game of Inter Milan. Resisting for 90 minutes, uh, for 60, I don't remember how many, 10 men against 11. It was incredible. At, uh, so, so it was a, a good memory, I guess, for everyone. Actually, then, uh, you're right, Ben, we've been, we haven't uh, lifted any trophy since then, uh, but uh, it's not been that bad, in my opinion. In, uh, in Europa League, yes. Absolutely no, uh, no team as the Italian side took it seriously. And when it tried to took it seriously, in the end, they didn't win it because they understand that the Europa League is a serious competition. You cannot afford uh, face it like, uh, you know, with the second team. You're not going to win it like that, especially from uh, last 18, I would say. They start last 18, quarterfinal, semifinal, it gets serious. Uh, Italy went close with Fiorentina and Naples in 2000, and I don't remember. They made both semifinals, but that Dnipro and Sevilla went to the final that it was in Varsavia. And then Juventus made two finals. I mean, in 2015 and 2017. 2015, actually, I think they were they more close than that than, than, than uh, 2017. Of course, the result, 3-1, 4-1, is not that different, but the match itself, Juventus-Barcelona, the final in Berlin was not that bad. Uh, so I don't see that bad the situation uh, for uh, for the Italian football, but in terms of achievement, yes, you're, you're right. You're not, we're not lifting trophies anymore. Yeah, I think um, it's always a bit difficult to to um, discuss uh, European success as a measurement of the strength of a league or or teams, because I think that European football is very much down to the individual quality and work of the team. And uh, I think that that shows Juventus, for example. They did uh, two finals in, in, two, in two or three years. And I think that doesn't mean Italian football is, is great. I think that means Juventus has done a great job. Because I think that um, Inter was the last team that won the tournament. But I think that Juve, you're seeing the opponents that they faced on their way, the teams that they went up to should have had just as good as a chance as Inter to win. Because if we look at what Inter did 2010, they went up against Guardiola's Barca uh, four times. They went up against Ancelotti's Chelsea, who were very good and beat the goal. Rec- uh, I think they took more than 100 points in Premier League or scored more than 100 goals. Very good team. They met the foundation of Bayern Munich that became a great team. So I think that what Inter did that year was was incredible. And I think that what Juventus did the years after, uh, seeing where they came from with the Serie B and everything was was incredible as well. But I think the reason to why Italian football kind of stepped back in these years, and I think that with Juventus as leader, they're on their way back now, I think it was a, a totally an economical qu- uh, question. Because Inter and Milan were were the teams, um, and Juventus, of course, uh, were the teams that were supposed to be out in Europe and win it. But Milan were hit very hard by financial fair play. Berlusconi moved out and didn't want to invest anymore. And the same happened in Inter, where Moratti didn't want to invest more. And I think that when uh, Moratti and Berlusconi stopped investing was when investments came most important in, in football. And I think that's why in these 10 years we've had... a kind of um, 
weaker Italian football. And I think that only now, this year, we're seeing an actual comeback of not only Juventus, but team like Atalanta. Um, I, th- I felt last year and or two years back, I, th- I felt Napoli was a team that could beat uh, any team. They, they faced Barcelona and were knocked out. So, of course, they were unlucky with the draw. But that is Napoli was a very good and entertaining team. So Roma make the semi-final in the Champions League. So I think that there are, there are positives in Italian football. And Atalanta mostly were interrupted this, this year at a fantastic stage. But I think that the positives in Italian football, especially if we look away from 2011 to 2015, and if we do 2015 to 2020, we have two finals, one semi-finalist, and... Uh, Atalanta this year that are doing really, really well. So I think that the steps are in the right direction, but that's together with the economy and the long sporting projects that teams like Atalanta, Lazio, now Inter a bit, Roma, these teams have got like economical continuity. So it's, it's on the way back, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with C. I, you really got the point. You really got the point because uh, that was uh, that was the problem when you're talking about AC Milan and Inter Milan. Uh, you know, the the, the the big owners quitting and just Juve was there. And then uh, you have to consider also a big problem in modern football uh, that if you want uh, to make real money, you need to own your own stadium. You need to make you know uh, your uh, your your money not just by the television rights but also from the other stuff and in Italy this is still a big problem this is still a big problem because the structures them it itself themselves they're not good except you went to stadium except the new stadium that Atalanta is building actually it's not new they're renewing the old one and uh, that's it even San Siro which is a cathedral of football in my opinion they shouldn't touch it but when you talk with the clubs they let you understand that Yes, San Siro is great, but it's not that kind of stadium that, uh, you know, brings you money because you cannot build, for example, you know, the shops inside. It's old. It's been made, uh, you know, many, many years ago and renewed during the old years. So that's uh, still a problem compared, for example, then to the Premier League where wherever you go, you know, you have the club as its own stadium and it makes, uh, you know, its own profit with the museum, with all the other activities connected. This is still a problem with the Italian football. I know you're both, well, particularly you see a specialist in Inter Milan. Um, see, I believe you fly over quite often to, to catch games to catch games in Milan. I've noticed a trend, and, and it's not a trend that's particularly hard to spot, in that they're acquiring players from the Premier League. Uh, last season alone, or this season, they got Romelu Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez, Ashley Young, Christian Eriksen, Victor Moses. Probably all players that you could say that at the time of their departure, the clubs wanted rid of them. Um, and they left for comparatively quite cheap fees. Um, firstly, how have they got on in Italy? Secondly, why do you think that they keep going for Premier League players? Because it's n- it's weird because it's not really something we've seen any other team really try before. Well, it, it, first of all, I think it's because of uh, Antonio Conte because he has his his players that he likes and especially those who know him, who have faced him. I think it's easier for him to sell his ideas to them. But I think it's it mostly the base of everything is the intensity that these players are used to give and that they can give uh, Conte. Because I think that Premier League, um, I'm not saying it's the best league in the world because I, I wouldn't think that. I think many do, but I don't. I think it's the most intense league, physically, tempo-wise, uh, 
the the tempo that they play the football i think it's the fastest and and most competitive and toughest league to play in. and i think that for a team that is supposed to be coached by antonio conte to be able to give that 110% of intensity at all times is very important and then i think that when these players come to italy they obviously have to have some time to adapt to the probably more tactical approach to football and the more instructed football but if you have contest coach his base is in the intensity and i think that uh, all of these players are used to give so much in intensity no matter what team they're playing so i think that's the main reason i think all of them have done really well i mean moses came from fenerbahce so he's obviously in a different way but i think ashley young has done really well since he came to inter and he seems a good guy and a, and a good leader and i think Lukaku is the same. I think uh, getting him for 65 million euros was was a discount price for a striker who's going to give you tw- at least 20 goals a season. So all of these guys done well. I think that the the really big transfer of these guys is Ericsson because um, uh, I think Lukaku wanted to leave and the club wanted to get rid of him and you know, Young had a half a year left on his contract and, and all that. But I think that Ericsson is a top player from, from a top team. And even if they were at the end of their journey, it's uh, one of the best midfielders probably in Europe when, he, when he's good. And his contract was expiring, but it's still a big investment for a player who has six months left on his contract. And that's the guy I think I expect a bit more from because uh, until the break, he hadn't really settled i think you can see his qualities you can see what he can do but he didn't fully express it so i'm very curious to see how he will do and what difference he can make with a bit more time and uh, getting to know Italian football my opinion about christian erickson i i agree with all you said uh the the the, the, the trick itself is conte i mean one of the best manager in my opinion in the world juventus we were talking before about uh, reborn the reborn of the juventus Without Antonio Conte, would have been the same at Juve, 100%. I can assure you that uh, because he started to win with, uh, you know, not the top the top players. And he's uh, the, the, the best guy to pick up some, I would say, average good player and bring it to the next level. No one in, in the world is good as Antonio Conte in doing that. So he, he was the right man at the right time for, uh, for Inter Milan that he was uh, trying to, you know, do the... The step after, after Luciano Spalletti, which is did his job. Eh? He's, he, he did this job. He took Inter Milan to Champions League, but they, they would need something else and Antonio Conte is the man. I'm going back to Ericsson because he said a, a, a thing that is right. He didn't fit as well that, that good in the team. But my opinion is just a tactical problem. Ericsson is one of the best attacking midfielder in the world. He used to play at Tottenham, and probably you know Goodwin. Uh, the, the man, you know, behind Harry Kane or Son, are trying to get you know into the box and score goals. The three-five-two, which Antonio Conte plays, is not uh, a, a system that um, is a uh, uh, thought for that kind of player. You have the two, the two wings. You have three midfielder. Uh, you know, the, the strong one, the regista, and the other uh, mezzala, as we call it. There is not that kind of player. So, and then you have the two strikers. So, what he need to do basically is, uh, in the summer or if the next season is going to start, is decided what to do with Ericsson. change the team and not play anymore the three-five-two and building a team around Ericsson 
or speak with Ericsson and find him a new, uh, you know, way of playing. That's uh, that's the only problem in Ericsson. I don't think Ericsson is became, you know, bad. He came to Italy and is not to play able to <laughs> to play football anymore. No, it's just a tactical problem. He's been uh, struggling in this. Yeah, I agree with the Ericsson thing as well. I'm a big follower of Tottenham. I won't say I'm a fan at the moment because it's a pretty depressing time for the club. Uh, but when Ericsson played in a... Because occasionally Pochettino would shift it to a 3-5-2 and, and Spurs didn't tick in that formation. And he is the guy that makes Spurs tick. I would say, though, that the intensity that Antonio Conte demands of the five players... All right, Moses was Penabache, But those who have played in the Premier League, Ericsson is the notable one who does stand out. He, he isn't exactly known for for that intensity, for that chasing round, particularly in his final 12 months at Tottenham, he was pretty sluggish. And I know he got a lot of criticism, probably a bit unfairly. Um, and then the other thing about Ericsson is, during his time in Tottenham, he had the sort of Meza Ozil about him in the sense that he could often go missing in games where you didn't want him to go missing. And I just wonder if Inter Milan, as kind of what I want to ask you guys, is going to the next step potentially. Is he the guy to kind of carry that through? I think I think it depends. Because... Uh... I think I've seen Antonio Conte get so much out of, you know, guys like Pelle and Eder and uh, Giaccherini. I've seen him do things with uh, mid, mid okay players, like Simone said. And I don't see why he shouldn't be able to find a role or find a way to fit Ericsson into his, his type of game. I think that even though he won't get that intensity out of Ericsson, I think that there will be other players in Inter who can give him that, while Eriksson has to, for me, be focused on doing what he does best, putting the quality, getting the shot from the outside, beating the assist, finding um, the free kicks, the corners, because Inter have struggled a lot with set pieces. They haven't had the quality to take them well. So I think that I'm I'm convinced. Like It's, it's funny that like if this guy would have been some Italian player from Sassuolo, I would have been hundred percent sure that Conte would have made a great job with him. But uh, with Ericsson, we have a bit of a doubt because of the system. But I think the coach has to be able to get the best out of a player like this for the best of the team. And Conte wants to win always. He's obsessed with that. So. Uh, I think he will he will find a way, and this extra time probably has given him some time to think how to, how to resolve that. One hundred percent agree with C again, and uh, I can bring you know just another example. Uh, Conte at the first Juve uh, that he took uh, in two thousand and eleven twelve, uh, they bought um, Arturo Vidal. And the problem at the beginning, Conte came uh, from a system that used to, he wanted to play 4 2 4, sorry, with the two wingers very up. But Juve didn't, the first Juve wasn't the team, you know, with the power that it has now. He built it during the year of Conte. So it was not a team, uh, that team that it goes on the market and he spent 100 million to buy Cristiano Ronaldo, okay? Uh, so they, they bought Arturo Vidal, but actually he was not the kind of player to play this kind of football. So Conte found himself with a player that was great, Arturo Vidal, great intensity, great midfielder, and he switched. And there it was when, uh, when Conte, you know, bring this uh, 3-5-2. So it was an adaption to a player that it was Arturo Vidal. So I think he can do the same with Christian Eriksen, you know, shifting from 3-5-2 to something else. 
because Christian Eriksen is a top quality player, in my opinion. I think the same thing with Pirlo when he came to Juve. Because uh, even though it was 4-3-3 or 4-2-4, uh, it was hard to find, uh, you know, with, uh, or Pirlo may, might have come after. But I think that he adapted the, the system, right, to, to Pirlo. Yeah, yeah no, P Pirlo was a classical uh, regista, yeah. you know, the guy in front uh, that took the ball from yeah. the defense and, and he moved, uh, and he, and he moved yeah. the team. The trick that he was just with Vidal because he, yeah. he really understood how good it was Arturo Vidal, but he was, if he needed to play on the pitch, he, he needed also to, to, to change the system. So yeah. if find that Ericsson is that good, and I think he will because it was also a big effort for the club yeah. in terms of, uh, term of money, uh, he, will find, he will find a way. He will find a way probably during the summer or probably also during this period of lockdown uh, you know, thinking about self, something else. The fact, and then I close with this uh, Ericsson question because uh, <laughs> uh, we, we spoke a, a lot about him. When, when Ericsson came in the January transfer, Conte was pretty clear. You know, we've been so close to Juve and we've been doing this good without Ericsson. I'm not changing the system now just because Ericsson arrived. We will keep it like that. We will find it a way to put it in the, in the, in the team, in the squad, but we're not, you know, Doing a revolution just for him. Probably this revolution will be during the summer, you know, building something new when you have time to do it, not making experiments when they were so close to you. And I agree also with that personally. Can I ask you about another player then that's attracted a lot of attention? He seems to be keep cropping up in transfer stories basically every day, uh, Latoro Martinez. Um, now I'm going to be slightly inflammatory here again. Uh, for someone who obviously grew up rushing down the stairs to watch Gazetta Football Italia on Saturday mornings. I don't get exposed to the same amount of Italian football that, that I think as a nation we're used to. Um, and therefore, when I look at the stats for Latore Martinez and then I look at the hype, there seems to be some disparity. He scored 11 goals only in Syria, 16 fewer than Immobile, just one assist. Um, I get that he's much more than his goals. He, he's only 22. He's great at pressing, causing trouble, creating space for other players. I'm just wondering, why is it specifically, what is it specifically that's making everyone go so mad for this kid? If Messi wants to play with you, I think it's uh, probably, no, I, I really don't know if Messi personally wants him, but I think that Barca, maybe, just speculating a bit, but Messi probably wanted Neymar, right, to come back because when they won the last time, Messi had Neymar's help in getting goals, in getting assists, in creating something with Barca that was very hard to stop. And I think that uh, Lautaro is very different from Neymar because he doesn't rely as much on the explosivity as Neymar does, but he's a player who can who can dribble, who's strong, who can do assists, who can do shots. And I think that knowing each other from the national team and seeing that Suarez is getting older, I think Barca would really want to get this player. And he was also very good against Barca at both uh, Camp Nou and at San Siro. So getting to the player, I think uh, I agree with you on the numbers. I think that he could have and should have scored some more goals. He could have and should have had some more assists. But he's a guy who one year ago was playing in the Argentinian league. So he's 22 years old, coming to Syria, playing in the Champions League, where I think he made his best football, where he was scoring more or less in every game against big teams. So I think that if we watch the Serie A stats, they're a bit lying because the Champions League stats are very good. And I think it's a player that is very interesting because 
you can just see he has that star quality and that potential to become you don't know how good. And I think I see a potential problem for Inter in replacing that type of player because if you just watch the amount of goals, you can easily get tricked in trying to get a good goal scorer to replace him. But I think Lukaku is the guy who who Inter relies on on the goal. I think uh, this is the guy who gives you the beating his man, the dribble, the the on you know the unexpected. I, I think um, so. So that's the thing with Lautaro, and I think also Barca are hungry to 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 come back to win because they've messed up so many transfers, they spent so much money, and they still are there relying on Messi to resolve it. So. I think they need to do one or two or three good transfers. And the Barca newspapers are, when they when they get hung up on a player, they write about it every day. It's that's just how it is. My opinion, Ben, is that uh, don't get tricked by the numbers. I mean, uh, we live in an era with Opta, with all the other guys, you know, made in stats, and we've been a little bit of too obsessed, in my opinion, with stats. Football is not a game of stats. But, it is a, but just to counter that, it is a game of goals, though. And when you're a striker, you're going to be judged on them. Just to counter that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, as Sia said correctly, the guy that scored in Inter Milan is Romelu Lukaku. And that's what I was arriving to. Uh, they work together perfectly. They fit each other. You know, they fit so good. And Conte did an amazing job also in that. Because he knew that with Lautaro, Lautaro was already here. That's the, re- the reason why he wanted Lukaku so badly. He needed a player like Lukaku. Uh, Lautaro, from this point of view, reminds me a little bit of Carlos Tevez. Um, you know, strong, able to, uh, to dribble, able to work for the team, not just to score. And that's what he was he's capable to do, Lautaro Martinez. And that's the reason why, as Sia said, and I agree also with this, is a, you know, a difficult, a potential uh, difficult if you Inter want to, to replace him and find someone that could doing this job that young. So, so I agree. I agree. Uh, Inter, if they lose uh, Lautaro, they lose uh, a really potential top player. The links with Barcelona are slightly confusing in the sense it doesn't look like Barcelona have any money to spend. So they're going around saying, oh, these are the players you can have. It, it all seems very arrogant. And I wonder <laughs> what your guys' thoughts on this is the idea that, right, we're going to give you him and we're going to take him and there's sort of no negotiation to it. And then they get their newspapers to kind of push it and push it and push it and push it and get in the player's head. And I know this is nothing new with Barcelona and Real oh. Madrid and their, their hold on the Spanish press. But given that there's going to be almost no money involved, do you actually see Lataro leaving? Like, I mean... Just when it looks like, from what we said earlier, a golden period of Italian football could potentially be on the horizon and Spanish football, Barcelona and Real Madrid, both not in a good place. Why would you go to Spain at this point? And why would Inter sell when there doesn't look like there's going to be any money on the table, just a few rejects? My opinion, very quick, uh, Lautaro is not moving uh, unless Barcelona paid the 100 million cash that there is on the fee to release him. Otherwise, he's not moving, my opinion. Super quick. I think uh, until the crisis came, there probably was more possibilities because you could probably find other ways to pay. Because I think the op- the buyout clause is what is 111 million straight away. In 111. Like one-time cash payment. Usually, when you do the deals, you put it up in five years, so you can kind of you know get the money. But seeing the crisis that is going to hit European football, I find it more improbable. However, like I think. Um, 
even though like Barca and Real and Spanish football is as it is, I think at this stage Barca is a step up from Inter, and I think at this stage you have one of the greatest players of all times, and maybe the best, uh, Leo Messi. There, they come from the same country, they play for the same national team. They are always contending. They are always contending to win La Liga. They are always contending to win the Champions League. Doesn't matter how bad they are, they they will be there. So I think it's also money-wise. I think Barca will offer you know five times, six times, maybe even ten times the wages that he gets now. So, like even if I would want to believe that Antonio Conte's Inter is a very nice project and that Italian football can compete with Spanish football when Barca and Real Madrid comes in these days, it's very, very hard for young players to say no. And I really don't see why Lautaro should say no. I mean, he can go, he can play with Messi, he can play with Barca, uh, contend for everything, get a nice wage raise. I think there are many reasons that he should go. I think the reasons are more for Inter to want to keep him than for him to want to stay. And that's the reason I agree also on this. And that's the reason why I said, in my opinion, he's not moving until unless they pay that fee because Inter wants to keep it. I can understand that maybe the guy itself is being, you know, uh, attracted by all this that Sia said. But Inter Milan knows uh, what he has in his hand. And for the moment, the contract, I don't know when it's expiring, but. They have a few years together. So if Barca wants to pay or if Barca pay and offer maybe someone that Antonio Conte is attracted, uh, okay. Otherwise, he stay f- at least for one another season because of uh, because of you know the crisis. That's the that's the reason why. But what what Sia said about uh, you know all the willing from a certain point of view of Taro to move, uh, it can be absolutely understandable and it's right. But the, the problem is that uh, you have to show the, the money to Inter, otherwise uh, they, they won't sell it because they know what they have in their hands. Let's finish with a quick fire round of players linked to Inter Milan and, and what you guys think of the possibilities. Let's start with um, Arsenal's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Sia. If Lataro is sold, I think he's a good replacement. He doesn't offer the same, but he will give speed and goals, which Inter needs. Money? Yes, interesting player, but uh, you need a lot of money. I don't know what's... Uh, when you buy from uh, from England, you have and your Italian club is not like it used to be many years ago. Okay? You go to Arsenal, and to buy Obama Young, you need money. A lot. And the wage itself, I don't think... I don't know how much he's getting... Uh, 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 per week, uh, Obama Young at Arsenal, but I don't think it's uh, uh, an affordable stuff or, I don't know, four millions a year. Something else. It's something more. And Inter Milan, you know, is trying to build in that kind of uh, that kind of team uh, with superstar, but it's not that the team that they can go come in and offer him, you know, 10 million euros per season. Good uh, thing is so- tax. Um the tax yes. in Italy for, for that kind of player? Yes, it's the double. Eh? Yeah. It's the double. Ronaldo is 30 million for himself, but Juve on the on the, on the, yeah. on the books yeah. for, for Juve is 60 million yeah. every season. So you need to deal with this. That's the reason why Aboumeyan said, yes, it could be interesting, but it's expensive yeah. to buy and to, and to keep him. So it's not easy for an Italian club uh, come to the Premier League and uh, take away the stars. 
Okay, I think I'm going to guess which way the next one's going. Maybe if we don't just answer specifically for Inter, but with uh, maybe Juventus in mind as well. Now, former Inter player Benoit Coye says Paul Pogba, says Paul Pogba, great fit into Milan. Now, I don't buy it. I think it's Juventus or Real Madrid. I just wondered, your guys, Italian football experts, is there any possibility of Pogba returning to Syria? Uh, yes, yes. And I think Pogba is one of the best midfielders in the world. And in England, uh, he didn't find the way to show it to everyone with a, um, consistency. And, but it was a problem also with the managers that he had. Okay, I'm talking about Mourinho at uh, at uh, at Man United and it's self soul scary. He need a, it would be like in my opinion a great player. For example, with a manager like Guardiola, look what uh, uh, look what Guardiola did with the Bruin. Pogba, from a certain point of view, I see it in the same way. And my opinion, Pogba is stronger than the Bruin. Uh, to, going back to your question, Juve, they're still in touch. They're still in touch because he has friends. Uh, he has uh, Dybala that is pressing. They were close friends. All the people at Juve loved him. It was a, a very, very good relationship between the club, the fans, and the player itself. So he would, he would come back, but his second option. First option, Real Madrid going to play in, uh, with uh, Zinedine Zidane. That he also tried to bite. Uh, when when it was at the time that he moved from Juve to Man United, he tried to came in, but it was already made a deal at Raiola with Man United. So nothing was done in that moment. Inter itself, it can be it can be interesting because he has Antonio Conte. It is the first manager they took Pogba to the next level, uh, but uh, still the same problem. How much uh, is a Pogba for Inter Milan in terms of buying it and in terms of uh, you know the, the salary? So. Tricky. Real Madrid first. I think uh, the crisis, we always have to mention it, the economical impact of the coronavirus. I think uh, Juve were very good contenders. I think if the crisis wouldn't have happened, I would have been almost certain that he could have or would have came back to Juve um, without a doubt because uh, they want him. I think he would like to play on the Sarri, who was a bit more offensive-minded than, than Conte was. They have had a big midfield problem this year. I think the midfield yeah. this year is not actually good enough for Juventus, to be honest. Absolutely agree. And Pogba adds you know, both uh, quantity and quality because he can do goals and assists, but he adds, like we saw in the World Cup, he's actually quite quiet in the you know, goals and assists and did hard work, physicality, winning uh, possession. Uh, but I think the clubs like, and this is maybe to his uh, negativity, but I think that Manchester United that have such great economy will be very good prepared for this year's transfer market. And I think that Real Madrid will probably be another one of the clubs that can handle this crisis in a good way. Whilst I think that Juve and Inter will have to wait and see a bit. Uh, everyone wants Pogba, but who can afford him after the crisis. Policy stuff. I think we'll leave it there. Um, thanks to both of you. Thanks, Sia, for joining us all the way from Sweden. Thanks. We'll get there. Of course, thanks to Simone <laughs> as well. Um, hopefully, you will get outside soon. I hope. I hope. I hope it too. Thanks for, uh, for hosting me and it was a pleasure to speak with you guys. Thanks. No worries. And thanks, of course, to you all listening at home. Uh, this has been Game of Opinions. Remember to rate, subscribe, share, tell all your friends. Over and out. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.